Beyond Radley. Business, careers, and more. Virtual talks by experts from our community. and welcome to all members of the Radley community and to our school partners who've joined, joined us today on Zoom. My name's Caroline Monaghan and I'm responsible for our Beyond Radley Career Speaker Programme, a series of talks designed to give you a live insight into the world of work. This is the last of our career talks this term and I'm proud to say we've completed 17 in total over the last two months, quite a feat in such a short time. I'd like to thank all of you that joined us along the way. And remember, you can watch any that you have missed on Radley Video. Our final speaker today will be talking about the property industry and the breadth of interesting roles that you can pursue both in the UK and internationally, including areas like construction, valuation, surveying, data analytics, and many more. Okay, I'm going to introduce you to old Radlian, William Donaldson. Will has over 15 years of experience working in commercial property, specializing in corporate real estate across Europe, the Middle East, and Africa, and now works for Amazon in their global real estate and facilities team. He's going to talk to you about his career path, the choices he's made along the way, and why and how he came to work for Amazon. So now I'm going to hand you over to Will. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Caroline. Hopefully everyone can, can hear me. Um, yeah, first of all, I'd just like to um, thank you, Caroline, for inviting me uh, to talk today. I think the Beyond Radley uh, career lecture series is, is brilliant. I've had the opportunity to listen to a number of, uh, of uh, speakers already um, uh, that, uh, through, through recordings. And uh, I really do think it's, it's a fantastic thing that you're doing. Um, career advice was pretty thin on the ground uh, when I was at Radley. We certainly didn't have the breadth of information and the support that's available to you all. So um, I would say wholeheartedly, please make, make the most of it. I'd just like to start by saying, I hope everyone is, is safe uh, and well. Uh, and enjoying some early uh, spring sunshine. Um, I understand that, that boys are due uh, back at Radley on Monday. So I really think that's, that's a fantastic, fantastic thing. And I'm sure you're all uh, delighted to be, uh, to be able to go back to school and, and to see your, your friends uh, again. So I'm going to talk to you about my career in commercial property today, how I started and the journey that I've taken uh, to my current position uh, at Amazon. I'd also like to touch on a couple of key issues towards the end of my talk that I think are, are currently very, in, very much in, in the spotlight. And they are uh, the future of the office in a post-COVID world and also sustainability. I'd ideally like to make this uh, talk as interactive as possible. So if you do have any questions, um, please raise a hand. Uh, drop a question or your questions in, into chat and I'm sure Caroline uh, will field them accordingly. I may not be able to answer everything, um, but I'll certainly uh, give, it, give it my best shot. So I was at Radley from 1993 to 1998 in G-Social um, with Paul Gamble, who was uh, uh, my housemaster. Um, interestingly enough, I was not put down uh, for Radley as a uh, young boy, I managed to get in through the warden's list. And I remember vividly going for an interview uh, with Richard Morgan um, as a must have been an 11 year old. And it was around about the time that Mr. Morgan was uh, very keen that all lessons at Radley should be taught in French. 
Now, I can barely speak a word of French today, and I certainly couldn't speak a word of French as an 11-year-old, but I somehow managed to convince Mr Morgan that uh, I thought that, that was a, a wonderful idea um, and uh, bluffed my way through the, uh, the interview, got onto the warden's list, passed my common entrance and found myself starting at Radley in the Michaelmas term uh, in 1993 as a young, wide-eyed boy. Um, Whilst I was at Radley, I, I had a, a brilliant time. I, I could not fault it. Um, uh, in sixth form, I studied uh, three A-levels, geography, uh, geology and biology. And indeed, I think Dr. Bedford, um, who taught me geology, is, is still a don at Radley. Uh, on leaving Radley in 1998, I uh, went to Edinburgh University where I spent four years um, as an undergraduate studying geography. Uh, I then uh, went on to Cass Business School um, in 2002 to two, sorry, 2003 to 2004 for a year to study a master's in property valuation and law, which is an RICS, um, Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors uh, accredited degree. And I will come on to that in a moment. But it was towards the end of the master's that the graduate recruitment rounds started when the usual suspects, the likes of uh, JLL, uh, Cushman and Wakefield, CBRE, Knight Frank, Savills, Colliers and others came into pitch to us. And I recall that we, if we were interested in a particular company, we would send our CV to them. And then if um, our CV was well received, we would be invited to a first round interview. And then if we were successful on the first round, we'd be invited to a second round interview and then all being well, um, we would be offered a position on, on the relevant graduate scheme. Now I was offered a role at a company called Nelson Bakewell, who sadly no longer exists. They were bought by Capita PLC in, in 2010, but I was offered a position at, at Nelson Bakewell um, on their graduate scheme. But before talking about my career, I just wanted to touch a little bit on work experience, if, if I may. So I always thought or felt that I wanted to get into property in, in some form or another. I like the idea of bricks and mortar, the sort of tangible aspect to it. And as a 16 year old, I uh, did a couple of weeks work experience for Savills um, working in their land agency department. And it was towards the end of those two weeks that my mentor at the time took me to one side and said, that if I ever wanted to make any money in property, then I should go down the commercial route. And that very much stuck with me um, at the time. Um, other work experience that I did, I did a, a, a number of different, uh, or had a number of different opportunities. I worked for a, a legal and property practice called Brodie's. Um, I did another extended period of work experience with Savills. And then another uh, unrelated um, Working unrelated to property work experience was a couple of weeks working for Just Serene and Brooks, the wine merchants, and that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Vividly remember having a competition with uh, another work experience uh, boy at the time, uh, trying to sell the most expensive bottle of whiskey we could to, to American tourists. I think he won, if I remember rightly. But anyway, that was a, a lot of fun. So I started uh, work at, at Nelson Bakewell. Um, as a graduate, uh, initially for the first year in, in property management, which gave me great foundations into the world of commercial property, commercial real estate, 
uh, in particular how to actually read a lease. I then moved um, into the um, uh, Europe, Middle East and Africa, the EMEA Occupy Advisory um, team in my second year as a, as a graduate at MB. I have to say it wasn't my choice to make that move, but it went on to define the next 15 years of my career. So someone somewhere knew that they were doing the right thing when they moved me from property management to, uh, to Occupier Advisory. So one of the great things I would say about the industry that I work in is just the extent of the different specialisms. I work in Occupier Advisory today, um, principally uh, advising Amazon on our portfolio strategy and managing both acquisitions uh, and disposals across EMEA. But you also have many, many other areas. We have investment, agency, valuation, construction, facilities management, workplace, finance, the list goes on. Um, I also think, and this is also relevant today, that there are an increasing number of tech and analytical roles as well in property as big data becomes increasingly important in the decision-making process. So there are also different types of real estate. My specialism is, is office offices. That's my area of expertise. We also have industrial, uh, we have retail, we have data centers, which are becoming increasingly prevalent um, with uh, uh, cloud computing and the development of cloud computing. We also have uh, residential, we have rural. There's so many different aspects within property itself. So not just, not just commercial property. So I qualified as a chartered surveyor in uh, 2006, taking the commercial route. So I'm a member of the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. As I say, I spent two years on the graduate recruitment um, program at Nelson Bakewell, um, having undertaken um, an RICS affiliate uh, master's degree, which then enabled me to sit my assessment of professional competence in 2006 and become a, a qualified charter surveyor. So whilst I was at Nelson Bakewell, I worked with clients like Pitney Bowes, uh, Manpower Group, Dana Corporation, Boots Pharmacies, and, and, and many, many others, which gave me a really strong understanding of the world of, of commercial and in particular corporate real estate. I then had the opportunity to join JLL in 2010, um, exactly as Nelson Baker was being sold to Capita. In fact, I left about three months before that, that, uh, that sale went through. I joined JLL's uh, Amir corporate solutions team to lead the Honeywell account. Uh, initially, for those that aren't familiar with Honeywell, they specialize in building technologies, performance uh, materials and aerospace. Spent about four years working with Honeywell and then uh, moved on to lead the Procter & Gamble account within the EMEA region. Um, I also worked with Sony Corporation, Pfizer uh, and other, other clients whilst I was at, uh, at JLL. So I've had the opportunity to travel extensively um, with work delivering transactions across many different geographies from Oslo to Cape Town, Dublin to Moscow and everything uh, in between. I think one of the things that I really enjoy about what I do is just the huge variation across the various markets that, that I work in. Um, not just those variations driven by supply and demand, but variations in the way 
spaces measured, whether it's square feet or square meters. Um, quoting rents, whether it's pounds per square foot per year, euros per square meter per month. There are obviously different legal requirements, different cultures, different ways of doing business, different languages. <laughs> I'm delighted to say that, um, again, referring back to my, my pretty poor grasp of French, that English truly is the international language of business. So um, I, I'm safe there, luckily. Um, as I say, I have traveled extensively with work. It's not all glamorous. I've been to some incredible places. I've met some incredible people. I've worked with some amazing individuals. Um, but there are downsides as well. And one of the, the things I, I remember vividly, one of my, my trips that didn't go so well, uh, was uh, uh, a work trip to Jordan, to a man in Jordan, where I was going out there to look at a potential new corporate office for Amazon. Indeed, I was going out there to look at a number of options, which we'd then shortlist um, our preferred uh, office from. And my flight out of Heathrow was delayed by six hours. Um, I landed in a man at about five o'clock in the morning, having not slept a wink, principally due to the time difference. And I was due to meet our broker and uh, technical advisor at 7.30 for breakfast to then hit the road and spend a whole day looking at properties. I can tell you by the end of that day, I was definitely having an, an out of body experience um, off the back of 48 hours with, without sleep. So as I say, it's, it's, not, it's not all glamorous. It is hugely challenging though, and it's also great fun, which takes me on to the next stage of my career at Amazon. Um, before doing that, I just wanted to say actually that for me, commercial property, commercial real estate is very much a people business. It often involves close cooperation between multiple stakeholders. And one of the first things that I learned um, was never to fall out with anyone, never to alienate people in the industry because someone who is a service provider today may well become a client tomorrow and vice versa, which leads me on to Amazon. So I was a service provider at, at Nelson Bakewell and uh, JLL for close to, to 11 years. Um, I was starting to think in 2016 about moving client side and furthering my professional experience. And it was luckily around about that time that I was approached by an ex-colleague of mine who I worked on the P&G account with, who'd moved to Amazon about a year earlier. He approached me to take on a transaction management role within Amazon's global real estate and facilities team. And that was just too good an opportunity to turn down. So I joined uh, Amazon in March, 2017, after a pretty intensive interview process. I, I vividly remember catching the 5 a.m. Eurostar over to Paris and arriving in Amazon's office in Clichy at about nine in the morning, again, with a distinct lack of sleep and being subject to six uh, interviews um, during the day. In fact, my, my last interview, I think, finished at about six o'clock in the evening. And uh, my last um, interviewer was the global head of operations uh, who was based in Seattle. And it was the morning um, that Donald Trump had been announced as the new US president. And he was in an absolutely foul mood. And I somehow managed to get through that interview. I suspect his, he was 
wholeheartedly sort of distracted and concentrating on, on, on other things, but I managed to get through that interview. Um, was offered a role as a senior manager um, in the EMEA uh, Global Real Estate Facilities team, initially with um, responsibility for transactions, but I've also taken on portfolio strategy as well. As I've said, it is hugely challenging and exciting. Um, it's an incredible organization to be part of. Um, when I joined the company, when I joined Amazon, my boss described it to me as a little bit like trying to build the plane whilst it's in flight. And by that, I mean, the plane's taken off, but we're strapping on additional engines, we're putting in additional seats, we're putting on more fuselage, and that sort of sums up Amazon. We've just continually been trying to keep up with the incredible growth that we've seen. And our raison d'etre as a GREF organization is, is to keep up with that headcount growth and to ensure that Amazonians have enough space, office space to work from, whilst also minimizing vacancy and minimizing excess vacancy and obviously the cost uh, that comes with that. So since I joined Amazon, our footprint has more than doubled. Um, we're up to about 7 million square feet of office space across the EMEA region. We have capacity for about 50 work, sort of 50,000 work points, desks now, um, across uh, uh, 70 cities and <clears throat> 30 countries, excuse me. Um, in that time, the organization, the business has grown from about 400,000 people when I joined in, in, in early 2017 to 1.3 million people today. So quite extraordinary growth. Now, not all of those people, I'm glad to say, are sitting in office space. A huge number of those people are working in our fulfillment centers and delivering parcels. Indeed, we've had, I don't know how many deliveries we've had at our house today, but the bell, doorbell seems to be ringing constantly. Um, and we've also, I'm delighted to say, had our best results as well. So um, at the close of 2020, sales for Amazon increased by 38%, um, uh, reaching just under $390 billion in sales revenue. So I started my life at Amazon working in our UK HQ um, near Liverpool Street, Street, Liverpool Street train station um, on the city Shoreditch Fringe and had the opportunity to relocate my family up to Edinburgh in the summer of 2019, which is where I am uh, originally from. Um, when I joined Amazon, it felt very much like a startup organization, albeit one that employed 400,000 people. Probably less so now, but I think that's just down to the sheer size and scale that Amazon is at now. Um, we are still very much guided by our leadership principles and I would encourage people who aren't familiar with Amazon's leadership principles to go onto Google and pull them up. But everything we do within Amazon as an organization is governed by those 14 leadership principles. They can be further distilled down to four overarching principles, which govern what we do and they are customer obsession so that is we're obsessed by our customers we're not obsessed by our competitors we have a passion for in innovation at amazon um, we also strive operational excellence and we think long term 
Um, last year, well, crikey, the last year, um, it's been hugely challenging for us. I think it's been hugely, hugely challenging for many, many, many people. Um, at Amazon as a business, I think we've proven to be pretty resilient, um, rising to the challenge. Our retail platform has seen unprecedented use, as, as has AWS, Amazon Web Services, our cloud computing business. But whilst COVID's been going on, I personally haven't set foot in an Amazon office for uh, close to a year now. And in all likelihood, um, I'll continue working from home probably until the summer um, and possibly even later. Which brings me on to two topics that I wanted to talk about that are very much in the spotlight. And I alluded to those at the start of uh, my talk. They are the future of the office uh, in a post-COVID world and also sustainability. Um, before doing that, I just conscious, actually, I had a couple of slides to share or one slide to share, which I, I didn't do, but I'll just quickly uh, put it up now. Um, if that's going to work. And then you can just see the, the sort of brief timeline of my career to date. So I'll just keep that up for a little bit. Um, so the future of the office. So like me, tens, if not hundreds of millions of people uh, globally have been working from home since early uh, 2020. I think people have proven to be both effective and productive and in no small part is that down to uh, technological advancement in the likes of or platforms like Zoom that we're using today, Teams and Amazon's own bespoke platform Chime, which has enabled people to function in a way that I think many thought wasn't possible. So what does that mean? And, and what does that mean for the office? What will the new normal be? So I think inevitably we're going to see a hybrid model where people continue working from home, perhaps focusing on personal desk-based activities, whilst more of the collaboration, the knowledge sharing, the learning and development takes place in the office. I think we're likely to see a repurposing or reconfiguration of the office so that desks are removed uh, to enable an increase in, in collaboration space. I think we're also likely to see an increased focus on health and well-being. Um, having worked from home myself for 15, sorry, for 12 to 15 months, and indeed other people, a number of other people are in the same boat. I think folks won't necessarily want to give up those benefits that they've experienced over that time. So the fact they haven't had to commute, sit on a train, sit on the tube, sit on a bus, sit in your car. Um, the fact that you're able to spend more time with your family as well. But the office still has a really important part to play. I have absolutely no doubts about that. It has an important part to play in that collaboration, that learning, that development. I think it also has a really important part to play in developing corporate culture and also to a great extent, social interaction um, as well. But quite what that means is still to be seen. Um, I'm really intrigued uh, to see what happens over the next 12 to 24 months. I think it's inevitable that we'll see a softening of, of uh, markets um, through increased vacancy, a softening of office markets, I should say, through increased vacancy. Um, I also think that landlords and developers today understand that they need to do more to retain their tenants and also attract new tenants to their buildings.
which takes me on to the second uh, point, which was or second topic I wanted to, to talk about, which was sustainability. So sustainability for me is, and for many, many others, is, is very much back on the agenda. I would say that really little meaningful progress was made in the seven to eight years or so following the global uh, financial crisis of, of 2008, principally due to the fact that the cost of implementation outweighed the supposed benefits at the time. But that is changing. Um, occupiers are more focused than ever on environmental and, and social governance. Um, an interesting fact that I wasn't aware of until very recently is that buildings account for 40% of global carbon emissions, 40% of global carbon emissions through embodied carbon in building construction and also operational emissions through energy usage and waste. So technology is going to play an increasingly important role in the drive to be more sustainable. Um, through uh, improving building design, through developing more sustainable materials, through the incorporation of smart technology within buildings to reduce energy consumption, monitor people movement, monitor airflow quality, monitor waste, etc. And as I said, occupiers are increasingly demanding buildings that meet ESG, environmental social governance standards not just to ensure that we're meeting um, sustainability needs, but also to attract and retain um, top talent. There is also a war on talent going on. And I think employees are also demanding that organisations, that, that businesses, that landlords, developers are incorporating sustainability into everyday life. And personally, I think COVID-19 is going to play an important part in, in accelerating that. Um, Amazon recently announced our own uh, climate pledge. So we have pledged to be net zero carbon by 2040. That's 10 years ahead of the Paris Agreement. And I'm delighted to say that a number of very significant organisations have also signed up to that climate pledge, including the likes of Microsoft, Unilever, Coca-Cola, Uber, Siemens, Mercedes-Benz, and, and, and many, many others. So um, I'm just going to provide a little bit of general advice, if I may. Um, it is a bit cliche, but... Will, Will, yes. sorry, just may I stop your slideshow? Or, oh, uh, yes. So, so we can see your face. Brilliant, thank you. Well, I don't know if people want to see my face, but anyway, there we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm just going to provide a little bit of advice. Um, it, it is cliche, I, I know, but... Um, make the most of what Radley has to offer. I think I probably didn't. Um, the facilities are world-class, dare I say it, the teaching is also world-class and the opportunities that are open to you all, I think are, are almost limitless. Um, take advantage of the career services. Um, I encourage you to attend as many of these talks and seminars as you possibly can, particularly if you don't know what you want to do, because there may be a small nugget a small gem that you latch onto uh, when you're listening to people talk like myself about their careers. Um, I would encourage you to embrace work experience whatever form uh, that takes and, and wherever you can and I think finally um, 
my advice is don't be afraid of, of doing things outside your comfort zone. Um, challenging yourselves regularly can only help your development as a person, as an individual, and I think will ultimately stand you in the greatest of stead for the future. So thank you. Brilliant, Will. Thank you. Wise words for, for all of us there and absolutely fascinating insights into the workplace and what you're seeing now. So thank you for that. Um, everybody, please do feel free to pop any questions on the chat. This is your chance to grill, grill Will. Um, and uh, I, but I'm going to kick off, actually, because I've got a, quite a few questions. Oh, no, we've got one here already. So, Will, when hiring, what non-academic attributes, experiences do you, stroke Amazon, look for? Um, good question. Uh, so I think people who are um, confident, I'd say people who are motivated, um, people who are able to think logically. Um, and I think just from a property real estate point of view, I think people who are able to work in a team environment as well. I think that's, that's really important. Thank you. Um, I wanted to just rewind you back to the beginning of your career when you were um, doing your work experience and um, your internships that you described. How did you go about getting those? Um, partly by using personal contacts uh, and then also by picking up the phone back in the day. Email didn't exist. Um, picking up the phone and, and introducing myself. Um, but I think, um, you know, ne nepotism isn't a bad thing. It's a, people think it's a bad word, but actually being able to use and leverage contacts that you have to get your foot in the door, I think is, I think is a really valuable thing. It, it, it's not the be all and end all. It certainly helped me. And, and I genuinely believe that people in positions of responsibility want to help by and large, individuals who want to start a career or, or get in, into a particular career, whatever that is, or just unsure about what they want to do. Um, so I think people are prepared to offer their time and support for individuals who are looking to start off on a particular career or, or pathway, and, and particularly in the work experience world. Did you do your work experiences whilst you're at university or after university? Uh, a bit of both, actually. So a mixture. Um, uh, my, my initial uh, two weeks at Savills, where I decided to pursue the commercial property route, was as a, as a 16-year-old, so whilst I was at Radley. Um, my uh, time working at, at Just Rooney and Brooks, I'm, I'm pleased to say I was, I was over 18 doing that. Well, that's very early that you, you made that yeah. decision to go into commercial property. Um, I've got a question on that later, actually. But um, firstly, I would just like to ask you about university and your thoughts on that. So you went to university. Um, you studied geography. Is that right? I did. Yeah. 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 Um, what are your thoughts on university? If you want to go into the property world, there are many uh, property specific qualifications you can do, as you've mentioned and have done. Do you think you need to go to university or do you think you could go straight into those qualifications and then into your career sooner if you're if you're very um, focused about what you want to do at this point? So let me turn that around slightly. Would I do again what I what I did? So would I follow the same path? I think I probably would, actually. Um, do you need to have a degree to get into property? Not necessarily. 
Is it helpful? Absolutely. Do you need to become a member of the RICS? Not necessarily. Is it a good thing to do? Yes, I think it is in terms of maintaining and upholding professional standards. I mentioned earlier in my talk that there are what I would say sort of non-property roles increasingly within property. So for example, you know, data and analytics, technology is playing a really, really important role in property today and it will only play more of an important role in future. So you don't necessarily need a property background to get into um, commercial, commercial property. Um, I think the other thing about university for me is that it gave me a really, really strong life experience that I think you, you don't necessarily get if you don't spend time at university and finding your feet in that ever expanded world. I think one of the things that I loved about Radley, but at the same time, perhaps could be construed in a slightly different way is the fact it is on a campus. So by being within those boundaries, you don't necessarily have that, that um, interaction with other people, that sort of ability to, you know, really sort of broaden your horizons. And it may be different today, but I found actually going to university, it gave me a really strong life experience that I, I wouldn't have had if I didn't do that. But my recommendation to people, if you want to get into property, by and large, I would recommend going to university, getting a good degree, and then and then um, joining a, a, a real estate organisation. So the qualifications that you took after um, attending university, were they specific to the property area that you were going to go into? Or are there a brace of different qualifications that you would do depending on the types of property that you would go, um, property area you'd go into? Or um, do, are there sort of set ones that you should do? So, yeah, so I, I took a, a pretty general route. Um, so as I mentioned, I, I did a geography undergraduate degree. I then did a, a master's postgraduate in property valuation and law, which enabled me to go down the commercial RICS route. Um, the RICS has about, I think it's over 300, it could be closer, excuse me, closer to 350 accredited degrees, both undergraduate and postgraduate in a whole world of different specialisms, whether that is um uh you know design and construction um investment finance um planning you know so there are so many different opportunities out there if you're unsure exactly what you want to do then i would recommend just going down the, the commercial route um and then that will leave you open to a whole range of different different areas within within property it may not mean that you can go into planning and development because that's pretty niche it may not mean you can go into construction, um, but it would enable you to still go into investment, agency, um, tenant representation, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you at the end, but I'll ask you it now because uh, you brought it up. You were taken aside by that, that mentor, if you like, yeah. who said go into the commercial area. If you were in the same position now as a mentor to, to um, someone early on in their career, would you say the same thing? knowing what you know about um, technology and the impact of technology, would you say um, that the commercial area is still a good area to go into? I would say that the commercial area is, a, is an incredible place to be. Um, and it has presented the most extraordinary number of opportunities for me um, 
in the 15 years or so of, of my career, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the be all and end all. I mean, there are, as I said, you know, you could go into the residential world and, and there are some fantastic opportunities in residential agency, um, in the rural sector as well, but it, it, it depends what you want to get out of, get out of life. So I chose commercial property. Um, am I pleased I made that decision? Yeah, so, so far. Answer. Um, so, again, moving to your first role, you mentioned that you went on to a graduate scheme. Uh, so, two questions here. The first being, again, how did you get onto that graduate scheme? Um, was it a sort of similar round of, of applications? And then the second is, in your view, and you may not have a view on this, but in your view, do you think it's better to start in a smaller company? or to go and start on a graduate scheme and then possibly go to a smaller company or do other things? Yeah, so um, so I was uh, I was offered a role on, on Nelson Bakewell's graduate training scheme, having, having been through the uh, graduate recruitment round. So I applied to the likes of JLL, to uh, Cushman and Wakefield, to others. Actually, interestingly enough, I, I got a first round interview at JLL, but they didn't invite me back for a second round. Um, despite the fact that I then went on to work for them for uh, for close to six years later on in, in my career. Um, so yeah, I very much, I, I was part of the, the, the graduate recruitment round, was offered a, a position at, at Nelson Bakewell and, and, and took the opportunity. Um, NB was a sort of medium-sized company. Um, I, think, I think the thing about joining a larger organisation as a graduate is that the support that they provide is very, very strong. Um, and the opportunities that they also provide within the various specialisms. So, you know, I, I said that I spent a year working in property management and then moved into the EMEA Occupy advisory team. There are or were a whole host of other areas that you can work in, you know, whether that's investment, valuation, agency. Um, rating, um, you know, property management, I've already mentioned. If you work in a smaller practice, I think there is less opportunity to experience those other areas. You maybe find yourself just specialising in agency, but you don't have the opportunity to maybe go into uh, a property management or an occupier advisory um specialism it's just not there because of the small size of the, of the practice so if you can go large i think that's probably my recommendation but it certainly doesn't preclude you from still going through the you know the the, the apc the um mrics qualification route is it very competitive in the property industry right now i mean we had a lawyer on who was talking about how in competitive it was in the world of law to get onto these schemes and you had to put in a hundreds of you know you're up against hundreds of other people is it the same in the property sector i think it probably is actually i'm, I'm sorry to say that um i'm not aware of many if any graduates who were taken on last year um so there will be a lot of competition for for graduate places um come sort of august september this year I'm, I'm pretty confident of that so yeah i think it is it is very competitive at the moment thank you so just giving us a little bit of an insight into um your kind of day-to-day -day role could you just sort of describe a little bit about a typical day or week in the life of what you do yeah do you want my sort of pre-covid or current <laughs> 
Well, what, what well, you think, uh, how do you think well, we're going to end up? <laughs> well, you know, I, I get up, um, <laughs> sit at my desk for 10 hours and then go to bed and then repeat. No, I um, so I, yeah, so kind of pre pre COVID. Um, so I, I normally get into the office for about half past eight. Uh, in the morning. I try not to accept anything, any meetings before half past eight. That's just a rule that I set myself, um, principally because, you know, I've got personal commitments that I need to do in, in the morning with family and, and, and what have you. Um, and if I'm accepting anything before half past eight, I'm just chasing my tail. So my my life is pretty much spent on this platform, actually not Zoom. I, I use another, we use another platform with Amazon, but my my team is spread all over the EMEA region. So I have um, nine direct reports who are spread across uh, London, Paris, um, Frankfurt, Warsaw, and the Middle East in, in Dubai. So, um, and my, my boss is based in Luxembourg. So I spend a lot of time on, on, on conference calls um, with my team, uh, discussing um, uh, lease commitments, transactions that are going on, interacting with other key stakeholders within the life cycle of a of a uh, of a not just a transaction, but also the life cycle of commercial property. So I liaise very very closely with uh, uh, legal resources, with design and construction, with facilities managers, ensuring that um, when we're acquiring space, for for example, that those individuals are all part of that that process and feeding in at the right time. So we are signing a lease or acquiring the right property um, and involving the right people so that they can input into that lease contract um, and enables us to effectively sign a document that is fit for purpose. So day to day, I probably spend about nine to 10 hours a day working. So it's roughly a 50 hour week, give or take. Um, and Life is spent either on conference calls, as I've said, or predominantly sort of emailing. I did pre-COVID spend a lot of time traveling. Um, so I was probably traveling at least once every two weeks, whether it was to uh, Munich or Luxembourg or, you know, more glamorous locations like Cape Town. That was actually that was my last trip uh, pre-lockdown was 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 Cape Town in, in January last year. And I can, I can tell you Cape Town is lovely in January um bit of bit of bit of winter sun um so yeah spent spent a lot of time traveling um pre-covid um but otherwise it's very much kind of day-to-day -day activities is conference call based um and and email interaction brilliant thank you um once you're in a property career uh how easy is it if you're to move between roles and would you advise that you do try out different kind of areas it's an interesting question. Um, I think the further on in your you get in your career, the harder it is to move to change specialisms within within property. Um, certainly, as a graduate, it's relatively easy to change. I think as a recently qualified surveyor, I still think it's relatively easy to change. Um, I think the further on in your career perhaps the harder it is. I mean, I my specialism now is very much occupy advisory, also known as corporate real estate. So I effectively work on the, the occupier side. So, so with four uh, tenants, principally around transactions and strategy, as I've said, for me to get into the valuation world or the investment would take an element of retraining. It's not something I could just do straight away. It's not impossible. 
but it would take a lot of hard work and graft to move off in, in a different direction. So um, just to sort of, yeah, it's, I think it's easier to do, Caroline, earlier on in your career, but harder to do the further on you get in your career. Clearly, that makes sense. Um, so moving on to the qualities that you think you need to succeed, you mentioned earlier that it's a people business and that you need to be able to get on with people and build relationships and keep those relationships and not break any of them along the way because of the way things move around. But are there other qualities that you think that somebody needs to be successful in the property industry? Um, I think an element of self-motivation, and, and I did sort of allude to that, that earlier. So I, I think you need to be a motivated individual. Um, I think you also need to be logical, you know, in, in your thought process and, and the way you do things. I think you need to be able to self-manage as well, as in manage your, your, your time accordingly. Um, but I do think I'm going to go back to it again, Caroline. I think, I think the ability to get on and to work with people and work as a team, I think is, is very important. Certainly the world that I inhabit in, in corporate real estate, I think that's, that's very important. Thank you. Now, anybody, if you do have any further questions, please do put them on the chat. I've got a couple more and then we'll wrap up. Um, so in terms of your career, what's next for you? I mean, where do you want to progress next? Do you see yourself staying at Amazon? You probably can't say that on here. No, I, no I think I'm going to leave. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, I very much see my future at Amazon. I mean, what, a, what an incredible place to be. Um, I mean, I alluded to the incredible growth um, dur during my talk and the way things are setting up, I think that growth is is going to continue. So, you know, I, I'm in a really lucky position at the moment. Um, you know, some of the activity that I'm I'm currently involved in is is probably not something I could do or would be able to do in, in you know many other places. So, I certainly see my future at Amazon. Um, whether it's doing what I'm doing today, possibly not. You know, there are a whole myriad of other opportunities within within the Amazon organisation as well. So. Yeah, my, my future at the moment is very much with Amazon. And what's the culture like at Amazon, the company culture? Oh, good question. Um, I, wow, so I haven't worn a suit for four years. Um, <laughs> that was one of, the, one of the first things I turned up. My, I was talking about my the interview process in, that I undertook in, in Paris, and I turned up in a very smart blazer and chinos and, you know, smart loafers or whatever and immediately felt out of place. So um, I've sort of been slowly sort of moving away from formal attire and, um, and uh, you know, more to sort of t-shirts and, and trainers and jeans and, and whatnot. So that's a definite bonus. Um, Amazon, you know, it feels like a very, I mean, it does still feel like an entrepreneurial organization. It's pretty dynamic. Um, it has a definite self-help culture. So, you know, you, you are allowed to, um, empowered to get on with things as long as you are following the 14 leadership principles, which I mentioned earlier, then you are empowered to very much get on with things, to invent and simplify, to take ownership, um, to continue to raise the bar. You know, these are all Amazon expressions, but they do encompass what I get up to and what other Amazonians get up to on a regular basis. It's a fantastic place to work. I'm desperate to get back to the office and start physically interacting with, with colleagues um, because that has been a real kind of gap for me and, and many others over the last, the last 12 months, but it's a great place to work. 
And I'm not just saying that because I want to carry on work, you know, continue my career with Amazon. Oh, well, thanks, Will. That was um, utterly brilliant insight into the property industry. I really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to us because I know how busy you are, but thank you. It, it's uh, really, not really important for the boys. So thank you very much. So thank you for attending this talk and to all of you that attended our Beyond Radley Career Talks. I hope you found them both useful and enjoyable. We will continue this Career Talks programme in the future, but in a slightly different way. And I'll let you know more about how we're going to do that soon. All that remains to say is that if you've learned nothing else from these talks, it should be that you are very fortunate to be part of the Radley community, a network of highly willing people who really want to help you in your future careers. Thank you very much for joining us and goodbye for now. Thank you, Will. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Check our channels for the latest news and events from the Radley and Society.